young men in, into their prison and they trained them. They were going to take for like a period of three years to train them and to raise them up, teaching them the laws of the land. And so that they could be, so that they could kind of be rulers under, under that regime, regime, so to speak. So the Bible tells us that there were four men, Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And actually, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were their Babylonian names. God, or they, they changed their names. And uh, their, their real names, let me see if I can find, let me see where here, um, let me find their names, that, because I never can remember their names. Uh, in, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, were their, that was their given names. When, when they got captured, they, uh, Nebuchadnezzar took and gave, gave them Babylonian names. And, you know, and one thing, that, one thing that I want to share with you is that be careful not to call yourself what the world calls you. You know, because the, because the world will try to change your name. The world will try to tell you you're cursed and not blessed. Come on. The world will tell you that you're not going to prosper and you're not going to succeed. The world will call you a failure when God calls you a success. Amen. And so, so the thing they tried to do, they tried to, what, what Nebuchadnezzar did here, and, and it was their, it was their game plan, it was their, their purpose. They changed their name, they changed everything about it, they, they tried to infiltrate their thoughts into them, tried to make them think like Nebuchadnezzar instead of like an, you know, like a, like a Jew, like a, you know, like, like they thought. And they tried to change all of that simply because they're trying to get them to, to be like them instead of being like God. So, so in Daniel chapter one, it tells the story of how they, they got, you know, they got captured and they, they went and they got put into prison. Daniel chapter one is where they, they, uh, they said they took these people and these, the, the, the smartest and the smartest, uh, the strongest and they put them in prison. They fed them and said they gave them the, the, the king's meats and wine, you know, gave them the best food. But then Daniel and, and Hananiah and, uh, Azrael and, and, uh, what was the other one? I left one of them out. Uh, Mishael, uh, they, they said, you know, we don't want to take the king's meat. We don't want to do this. We want, we, you know, just give us vegetables. And of course, this is where the Daniel fast comes in, you know, and where people get from the Daniel fast. But, but anyway, um, so, so we have, we have, uh, you know, they, they say, just give us the vegetables. And it says that Daniel had favor in the king's, in the king's, uh, you know, with the king. And they said that, that the, or with the guards, I should say, excuse me, with the guards. And the guards said, okay, I'll do this for like a period of 48 hours or, or three days or something. Because if, if the king sees that some of y'all are, are not looking good and are weak and different things like that, they said, you know, he'll kill me. And Daniel said, fair enough. Well, after that period of time that they gave them just vegetables, it said that these four Hebrews said that they, it says that they were in, they were in better shape than all the rest of them. So, so, you know, they just kept getting favor with the guard and all this. In chapter two, you, you have the story about where, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he calls everybody in and he tells them, you know, interpret my dream for me. And all of, all of their leaders said, well, tell us the dream and we'll interpret it for you. And he said, no. He said, you tell me what I dreamed and the interpretation. Well, nobody could do that. They kept saying, that's impossible. Nobody can do it. So Nebuchadnezzar said, fine, I'll kill all of you. And, and he put an order in to kill everybody, kill all the wise men, kill all the, the, the governors and the, everybody that he looked to for advice. Daniel heard this and Daniel said, tell the king to give me, 
you know, just a little bit of time and I will interpret that. So, so the king said, fine, I'll give you a little bit of time. So Daniel went to these three Hebrew boys and him, the four of them, they prayed that night and God gave them the interpretation. God gave them the dream, the interpretation. Daniel gave the interpretation to the king and, and all of this just kept building favor with the king, building favor with the king. So then we get to chapter three and we have the story of where, um, of where Nebuchadnezzar gets to this point where, where, you know, he's ruling basically, basically that entire region and he becomes so powerful and so stuck on himself that he says, I'm going to build a statue of myself. And he built this huge statue and he said, he said, now when, when the music plays, everybody's going to bow down and worship my statue. And if they don't, he said, I'm going to throw, throw them in the furnace. I'm going to kill them. So sure enough, they, they get all this set. Now, is, you know, it's interesting that Daniel was not part of this. Uh, Daniel's not mentioned in chapter 3, just the three Hebrew boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their, their uh, Babylonian names. And um, that's what we know them by. We, everybody calls them by that name. But, uh, but they were the only three mentioned here. But it says that they, they, uh, they were leaders, all four of them. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego became leaders. And they were up and coming. They were the head of the class. They had favor above everybody. And, of course, you know that when somebody gets to the top, everybody's going to be trying to take them down. Everybody's going to look for something. They're looking for ways to tell on them, looking for ways to, to bring them down. And sure enough, the, you know, people noticed that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down to the king or to the statue. Well, they ran and told the king, Oh, king, there's people that, that are not bowing down. You know, he said, Who is it? Bring them to me. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come before the king, and it says he's furious. And he says, he says, tell me, is it true that, that you didn't bow down? And, and the king said, I'm, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down. When the music plays, if you'll bow down, everything will be fine. If you don't bow down, he said, I will kill you. Now, as we get into this, think about this. This was the perfect opportunity for these three Hebrew boys to compromise. They could have made any excuse. They could have said, well, to save our life, we're going to bow down and act like we're worshiping, but we're not really going to worship. God will understand. But you know what? That would have ruined their testimony. They could have said, well, you know, this is life and death, and God knows that, that we're, more, we're, we're more important to, to be living, so, so, you know, we better bow down and obey Nebuchadnezzar. But, you know, they could have made, they, they could have had a hundred excuses why they should bow down and worship instead of having their lives taken from them. But I want you to notice what they said though. So here, you know, the king, he brought them before, he, they're standing before the king and he says, I'll give you one more opportunity. And here's how they responded. Let's look at Daniel chapter three, verse 15. Daniel chapter three, verse 15. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking to them. And he says this, Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and you worship the image which I have made, good. You know, everything's going to be fine. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now listen to, listen to this threat. And who is the God? Who will deliver you from my hands? Now listen to this. Now we, a lot of times we read over that and we, we, you know, we don't really think much about that statement. 
But Nebuchadnezzar knew about their God. Because remember, Daniel had went before him and said, My God has given me the interpretation of your dream. He, they understood, the, the people understood that the God of, of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that, they, that, that he preserved them by eating just vegetables when everybody else had the, had the best food. In other words, people knew who this God was. Nebuchadnezzar knew who this God was. But Nebuchadnezzar had got to such a place of pride and arrogance that he made this statement. He said, and who is this God? In other words, what he was saying, nobody's as powerful as I am. And he said this, I mean, this was a, now listen, this was a slap in their face. Because a true, you know, they, I mean, because they knew, they had, they, they knew that it was against, uh, that it was against the, the, the commandments to worship another God. They understood that. They knew the significance of this. The three Hebrew boys did. And here's, here's how they responded. The king says, who is this God? Who is the God who will deliver you into, from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto him, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, they're like, they're like we don't even have to tell you an answer. You know, and they were saying, they were saying, we're not, you know, they're like, you know, we're, we don't have to defend ourselves. They said, if, if that is the case, in other words, they said, he said, what they were telling him is like, you know, if you want to throw us in the fire, throw us. He says, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, now listen, this wasn't a, this wasn't a statement of doubt. This was a confirmation of their faith. And listen to what they said. They said, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. In other words, here, here was their statement. I mean, a, a, way that I, a way that I would say it today. I would rather die in the fiery furnace than worship your God. He said, you know, we serve, we serve the living God. And he said, they told him, they said, we know that he, that he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, I would rather die trusting him than to serve your gods. Well, I love that. Now, here was the thing about this. Nobody, probably nobody up to this point had ever stood up to Nebuchadnezzar like this. I mean, this was, this was a slap in his face. Because as king, he, he expected everybody to obey him like that. And he threatened them, man. And it said, you know, remember, he brought them, he brought them before him and he said, alright, I'm going to give you one more chance. And he says, if you're ready, when the music plays, then do this. But they spoke up and they said, hey, you don't even have to play the music because we can tell you we're not bowing. And notice that he never played the music for them. In other words, because they answered him, they said, we're not, we're not careful in this. We, you know, other translations say different things, but, but they're like, we don't have to take time to, to question whether we're going to do this. In our heart, our mind is made up. We serve God and we worship Him and not your God. And He will save us. But be it known that even if we die in this furnace, we're not serving your God. So they, I mean, they just pushed back on Nebuchadnezzar. Boy, this infuriated him. Look what happened. You know the story, but, but we'll read it. It said, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because up to this point, he liked them. 
I mean, you realize he could when when he heard that they that they had that they were not bound, he could have just had his guards go out and say, "Go kill them right now." But he brought them before him to give them a second chance. So the king liked them, but boy, when they stood up to him and when they pushed back and they said, "No, no, no, we, we our faith is in our God, not in you," he said. He said, oh, his expression changed. He was full of fury now. And now he didn't like them. <laughs> and now, you know, everything changed in, in his heart about them. And it says, he spoke and he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind them and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Now let me ask you, why did he why did he choose why did he tell the the strongest men in his army to do this? Because listen, he knew the power of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's God. He had heard the stories. He knew he knew who this God was. And to see these three Hebrew boys standing up to him saying, "We're going you know, our God will rescue us." What he was saying was this, I'll put my strongest men on this to make sure that, that he doesn't come through and, and rescue you. So he took, he said, he, he instructed the, the strongest and the baddest guys he had, bind them and throw them into the fiery furnace. Verse 21, it says, then these men were bound, now notice this, they were bound in their coats, their trousers, and their turbans, and their other garments. And they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So they didn't even take the time to take their clothes off of them. They just took them as they were, tied them up, and, and took them and threw them into the fiery furnace. Now notice even verse 22, it goes for, it goes, says, Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So, so when the king gave this order, the, the mighty men that threw them in the furnace, it was so hot that it killed them. Now, that's not in there by accident. What that was saying was this. There's no way in the natural that these three men could survive this. This is not a coincidence. This is not they fell into a cool place in the furnace. I mean, you know, the furnace was so hot that the people that threw them into the furnace, standing outside of the furnace, the heat was so unbearable that it killed them. But they got them thrown into the furnace. And, and I, can you just see Nebuchadnezzar in his fury, in his anger, sit down on his throne? And it's interesting because his throne was positioned in a place here where he could look into the furnace and watch them burn. And now this wasn't, now, you know, historians tell us, and, and if you read the commentaries on this, this was a, this was a, a method of torture that he used to kill people, and he enjoyed watching this. Like if people rose up against him, he would throw them in the furnace, and he would sit there and watch them burn. What an evil mind. What an evil person. And, but yeah, so, so he, they throw them in the furnace and you can just see him. He's walking back to his throne and he sits down and, and he's probably thinking that'll teach anybody to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody will stand up against me because they saw me take care of these three Hebrew boys whose God delivered the children of Israel and brought them through the Red Sea and did all these miracles and, and all this stuff that had led up to this. They, they, they are no, you know, he is no match to Nebuchadnezzar. 
And he sits down and he grabs his iced tea. And he's sipping his iced tea, watching these boys, looking in the furnace. And he's, he's waiting and just looking and probably waiting to hear them scream. Waiting to hear the, the, to smell the smell of burning flesh. And, and, you know, it's just the process that he's normally used to. And he sits down and he looks in the fire. And he takes another look. And he, he readjusts his eyes. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. And everybody's like, what king, what king? And notice what he said. In verse 24, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, Oh, yes, true, my king. And he said, Look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not even hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Could you imagine? I mean, now listen. This, is, Like I said, this is not just something that's a coincidence. When he looked in the furnace, he expected to see ashes. It was seven times hotter than normal. When he looked in the furnace, he saw four men walking around in the furnace. Now, the original, the original Hebrew even adds this, that he heard them singing. Now that's not listed like in the King James or in the, in the modern translations, but in the original language, in the original translation, it says that he heard, it says when, he, when they were walking, he said, I see four men walking. He said, the original language says this, I, I see, he said, I hear singing and I see them walking around loose in the fire. Now, that doesn't surprise me because you, you fast forward to the New Testament, Paul and Silas, why do you think they were singing at midnight? It could be that they had heard the stories and they knew the story of the three Hebrew boys and they said, well, they were singing in the furnace, so why don't we sing in the prison? Come on. Come on. Amen. So they were singing and praising God in the midst of the fiery furnace and, and the king was astonished. Now, this, this is so interesting to me, these next couple of verses. It says, verse 26, it goes to say this, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace. He got off his throne and walked up as close as he could get without it killing him. And he said this, he says, he says, and he spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So they got thrown into the furnace, bound and got thrown into the midst of it. And then he, Nebuchadnezzar gets to the, gets to the edge of it and calls out and says, Hey guys, come on out here, talk to me. <laughs> and it says, it says that, uh, it says, Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and, and all the administrators, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together, and I love this last statement, listen to this. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of the fire was not on them. Listen, I want to tell you today, church, the fire was not the issue. Whatever you're facing today, it's really not the issue. What was the issue? The issue was, the, was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith in God. 
Their faith was unshakable. It didn't matter whether he threw them in the fire. It didn't matter whether he tried to cut their head off. It didn't matter whether he tried to tar and feather them. Whatever he tried, whatever he would have tried to do to them, nothing would have had power on on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because their faith was unshakable in their God. Come on. Now, listen. How could they have unshakable faith? How could we have unshakable faith? How can we, in the midst of, 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 of everything that we're going through today, I'll, I'll just put it in modern terms, through everything we're going through today, how could we walk through this thing and not be affected by, by viruses, not be affected by the economy, not be affected by, by everything else that everybody else is affected by? See, the, the three Hebrew boys, they had seen God work when they refused the king's meat. And, and God... God sustained them and brought, you know, their bodies were healthier than any of the others. They experienced that just, just years before this. They had seen God answer their prayer when, when he get, when God gave Daniel the interpretation of their dreams. They had studied the scriptures about how God had, had delivered them, delivered their people at Passover. They had read the Scriptures about how that God had delivered them and brought them through the Red Sea. They had read the Scriptures and they had probably seen the monuments built to remind where God told them, hey, put a pile of stones here so every time you see it, you'll be reminded of this. They probably walked by some of those, some of those piles of rocks saying, this is where God delivered our family from this. And this is where God delivered our nation from this. They had experienced and seen these things firsthand. So they knew that God was more than able to do this for them. And they said, we are not, we are not looking at what the, we're not looking in the natural. We're looking at Him through the Spirit and we know that He is going to come through for us. Come on, man. That, that, this is, this is good stuff. And you have to understand this. This is not something you can just, that you can just snap your finger and do. The moment of a crisis is too late to, to renew your heart. To prepare your heart. You can't build, you can't build the foundation in the middle of a storm. Listen, these boys, these three Hebrew children that, these three Hebrew men, we call them three Hebrew boys, but, but these men, they had been preparing their heart for a long time for this moment. They had been believing God. They had, they had been putting their, the Word in their heart. They had been preparing themselves. They, they, they were saying no to all the outside things. And they were saying yes to Him. Turn over to... Uh, keep your place here in Daniel because we're going to come back to Daniel. But look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Come on, man. I, just, I want to encourage you. I want, I want you to see this. I want you to, to know that there's hope today. We don't have to be afraid of what anything. We don't have to be afraid of, of whatever's happening today, tomorrow, next year. I mean, whatever we're facing, we have to understand this. The devil and the enemy wants us to, get, wants us to, to look at the problem, not the answer. When you put your eyes on the problem, it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it will keep enlarging and keep enlarging. If you listen to the wrong thing, if you see the wrong thing, then you're going to have nothing but trouble. But if you turn everything else off and keep your eyes focused on Jesus, He is the answer. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Let's just read this from uh, from the Amplified just for the sake of time here this morning. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says this, 
Therefore, then, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and deftly and and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. You see, that's exactly what those three guys did. They, 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 it says that with patient endurance, steady and active persistence, they, they looked and they stayed on the appointed course, the race that was set before them. You see, you may not think that it's important to, to read your Bible every morning. You may not think that it's important to pray every morning. You may not think it's important to hide His Word in your heart. But I promise you, the day will come when you will be glad that you did that. Or you'll be sorry that you didn't. You see, what you fill yourself with and what you put on the inside of you is what comes out of you under pressure. And if you ever get in a pressure situation and you fall apart, then you know you haven't been putting the right thing in. You have to fill yourself with the right things. Verse 2, he goes on to say this, Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. So we're looking away from everything that's going to take our eyes off Him, and we're keeping our eyes on Him. Who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, talking about Jesus, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Then look at verse 3. This is so good. Just think of Him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against Himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or become exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. So let me ask you the question, where's the battle? It's in your mind. It's the thoughts that you think. You see, the issue is not the fire. The issue is what's going on up here. The issue is the, what's going on up here, because what's going on up here is what develops the, the beliefs of your heart. And the beliefs of your heart is what comes out under pressure. The three Hebrew boys were able to stand up and say, look, we don't even have to get together and talk about this. We're not serving your God. We're not bowing. Uh, you, you hear all kinds of things, but, but one thing I always heard about Daniel chapter 3 is, is this little phrase that says this, If you don't bow, you won't burn. You see, they didn't bow, but they didn't burn either. Why? Because their faith was in God. The enemy will try to get you to compromise. And here's another little nugget that I've always heard. When, what you compromise to keep, you will always lose. If you compromise, if you give in to the enemy, if you, if you make excuses and you compromise to keep something, just mark it down, that, that thing that you compromise to keep, you'll eventually lose it. Because you see, God is not in the, God is not a deal maker. 
You know, most of the time, a lot of times, we get in trouble, and we and here's our prayers, the prayers of a lot of Christians. God, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll do this. Anybody ever pray? Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? God, if you'll just get me out of this situation, I promise you, for the rest of my days, I'll serve you. And that goes for about a week or two, and then you forget that you said that. And we and we think, you know, well, God got me out of that. You know, whew, I'm glad. I'm glad for that. But then we we fail on our end of the bargain. Is it any wonder he cut he had to cut covenant with himself <laughs> so that you and I couldn't mess it up because we would mess it up in a hurry, Amen. So so he he so he said. Now listen, he said. So what what do we do? We think of Jesus who endured that all for the joy set before him. What's the joy that was set before him? It was you and me. He saw you and I. He saw us. He saw and he saw into 2020 before he got on the cross. And he said, he said, that's why I'm dying. So that in 2020, the people of Destiny Bible Church will be able to walk through this thing and come out of this situation better than they came into it. Come on. Amen. True faith. Listen. Now here's, here's this little nugget I wrote down years ago. True faith doesn't look for loopholes. Did you hear that? True faith doesn't look for loopholes. In other words, a, a person of true faith is not saying, well, let's see how I can take a shortcut here and get through this and come out still looking good. The Hebrew boys, listen, they didn't say, well, we'll bow down and just pretend to worship and everything will be okay. No, they said, look, we're not, even, we're not looking for a loophole to get out of this. They said, they said, we know that God can deliver us and He will, but even if He doesn't, I would rather die believing than go down in unbelief. Go down worshiping a, fake, a false idol is what they were saying. Wow. So listen. Let's look, let's look at Timothy. Let's look at Paul here and uh, a couple scriptures in Paul's life. This is so good. I mean, you see this throughout the scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is Paul talking to Timothy here as he's writing Timothy this letter. And, and Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. This is getting near. Now, this is the, at the end. This, 2 Timothy is one of the last books that Paul wrote. And he's getting near the end of his life. And we'll see that in, in chapter 4 here in just a second. But listen to this in, in first Tim, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And here again, let's just look for the... Uh, well, we'll read it from the King James and then, and then from the uh, Amplified. Paul said this. He says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You know, Paul was telling Timothy, he, Paul was in prison. He was, he was bound in, in, when he wrote this. And he told, he told Timothy, he said, listen, he said, I'm not afraid. I'm not worried about this. He said, I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that what God has told me will come to pass. Yeah. And that I will see, well, we sung it today. I will see a victory in this, Timothy. Yeah. I'm persuaded of this. Amen. Now, all the circumstances said something different. But Paul said, I am persuaded that I'll see a victory. The Amplified says this. It says, For I know, I perceive, I have knowledge of, and I am acquainted with Him whom I have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on. And I am positively persuaded that He is able to guard and to keep 
that which he has, which has been entrusted to me, which I have committed to him until that day. Now look at chapter 4. This is some of the last words that, that Paul will write. And in chapter 4, he says this in verse, uh, verse 17. Verse 16. Verse 16, he says this. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Boy, in other words, Paul said, he said, you know, he said, when I, he said, when I got caught and got in trouble, or didn't get caught, when I, when I stood before, when I stood before the, 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 the authorities here at my first defense, he said, everybody left me. Everybody deserted me. He said, but I don't hold it against them. Because look at verse 17. He says, but the Lord stood with me. And strengthened me. Now come on. He says, the Lord stood with me and He strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully through me and that the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. In other words, now Paul didn't face a, a true lion. What He was using that as an analogy to say that the enemy, he was delivered from the mouth of the enemy. And then look at verse 18. <clears throat> and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me from his heavenly preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever amen so so Paul said listen he said god delivered me and he will deliver me through everything i through everything i've been through now for the sake of time listen just write these scriptures down and we won't turn there and look at them but but daniel chapter 6 is the story of daniel and the lions then we all know that story you know here again this, this, the king sets up a, you know, Daniel is rising up. Daniel's put over all the, all the other leaders, all the other people, and they're all jealous of him. And it says they're looking for a way to, to, to trap Daniel. And so they go, the group of them go before the king, get the king to sign this order that, that nobody can pray to anybody for 30 days. And they say, oh king, you know, you're such a great king, you're such a great ruler, sign this decree that, Everybody has to worship you, and nobody can pray to any other god for 30 days. And the king says, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And he signs it. And then little does he know that they did it to trap Daniel, because the people knew what Daniel would do. And it says when Daniel heard what had been done, he went straight to his room, opened up his windows, knelt down toward Jerusalem, and started praying. And they, and they, and the people came up and caught him in the act, drug him before the king, and they said, King, didn't you sign this order? That said this, and the king said, yes, I did. And then they brought Daniel out and they said, well, look, he was praying to his God. And the Bible says that the king was distraught because he loved Daniel. And it says he worked all day trying to get Daniel out of that mess, but he couldn't do it. Because his decree said that it could not be changed. So the king, now you can go look at that scripture, it's an incredible scripture. The king himself even said this, Daniel, I believe your God will deliver you from the mouth of the lions. Isn't that something? King Nebuchadnezzar had such a heart change. He said, I believe that, the, that your God will deliver you. Listen, he saw what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, so he, but he had to take Daniel and throw Daniel in the lion's den. Let me say it again. The lions were not the issue. The lions were not the issue. If the lions had been the issue, God would have killed them to protect Daniel. So he throws them in the lion's den. The Bible says that he couldn't sleep all night. The king couldn't sleep. He prayed and he stayed up all night. 
Early the next morning, he rushed to the lion's den. He rolled the rock back and he called out and he said, Oh, Daniel, Daniel, has your God saved you? And Daniel says, Oh, king, live forever. And he says, God has sent an angel this night and shut the lion's mouths. And probably, and if, if we had the whole story, he probably would have said, and I slept like a baby. I snuggled up with the lions and they just, they took care of me all night long. And Daniel came out of that lion's den. Now, here, here we know why the lions wasn't the issue. Because when Daniel came out, the Bible says that the king took the people that had trapped him, threw them into the lion's den, and the Bible says that the lions broke every bone in their body before they hit the ground. The lions took and devoured them before their bodies ever hit the ground. So those lions were hungry. It wasn't that they were just, it wasn't that they were just fed and, and, you know, Daniel got, got a good break. No. God, because of Daniel's faith, because he would pray even when they told him not to pray, he would, he kept his eyes on Jesus the whole time. God delivered him through the lion den, lion's den, because the lions weren't the issue. His faith delivered him. Now look, you turn, uh, think about Elijah, 1 Kings 17. Elijah comes, there's a drought in the land. God tells him, go to the brook Cherith and I'll feed you there. Daniel goes to the brook. Listen, I'll say it again. The drought wasn't the issue. Because God sent birds to feed him. And then when the water dried up, he says, go to Zarephath and there's a widow woman that will sustain you. He gets to Zarephath, and, and that widow woman, he sees her, and he calls out and says, hey, make me a cake. And she says, I've got just a little bit of oil and a few sticks. I'm going to make a cake. I'm going to light the fire, make the cake, and me and my son are going to die. And he says, he says well, as the Lord lives, he says, make me a cake first. Boy, imagine if that had happened today. You know, he would have been thrown under the bus. But sure enough, that woman believed, that woman trusted, and she made the, the prophet a cake first. And it says that that little bit of oil and those few sticks sustained them throughout the entire drought. Fast forward to, fast forward to the New Testament. You might say, well, Pastor, all those are Old Testament scriptures. Fast forward to the New Testament. One of the well, most well-known scriptures that probably some of you have even thought about it is Peter walking on the water. Matthew chapter 14, what does it say? It said that, that the, a big storm, Jesus told him, go to the other side. And, and, you know, the storm comes up in the middle of the night. Jesus walks, walks, Jesus is walking on the, on the water in the middle of a storm that has the disciples, pro, professional fishermen, terrified. And he comes walking on the water and they're terrified because they see a, they think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, peace, be still, it's only I. You know, it's me. And Peter said, Peter, you know, Peter was the one that always opened his mouth first. He said, if it's truly you, Jesus, bid me to come to you. And in one word, Jesus, Jesus simply looked at him and says, come. And it says that Peter stepped out of the boat and started walking toward Jesus. But then it says, then it says he noticed the waves and the wind. Now, how did he notice the waves and the wind? He took his eyes off Jesus. He started looking at circumstances. He started watching TV. He started listening to what all the news media said. He started listening to all the negative reports. And what, all, what everybody was telling, oh, you better not do this. You better not do that. You better watch out. You'll get this. You'll get that. You better be careful. He took his eyes off Jesus. And when he did, he started sinking. 
Jesus reached out and saved him, got back in the boat. And, you know, we get, everybody gives Peter a hard time. But listen, the other disciples, they never got out of the boat. Peter was literally walking on water. You see, the storm and the water wasn't the issue. If he had kept his eyes on Jesus the entire time, he could have walked on water and him and Jesus could have walked all the way to the seashore. The water was not the issue. It was when he got his eyes off Jesus that it became a problem. Listen, I want to, I just want to encourage you this morning. You know, the book of Psalms says this, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Whatever you're facing today, it, it, it may be, I mean, it may be the fear of what's going on, the, the virus. It may be, uh, a physical ailment. It may be a health problem. It may be a, a financial problem. It could be many, many things that you're facing this morning. But if you'll get your focus right, listen, if you will see things the way God sees them, remember, ask yourself this question. Ask, you know, go home today. And when, when, you get, when you get a moment to get by yourself, go home and ask yourself this question. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're going through, the, you know, the, thing that, the, thing, the, the circumstance you're, that has you surrounded right now, whatever that is, ask yourself this question. How would God see this? Would God be afraid of this virus? Would God be afraid of, of this health report that I've got? Would God be wringing His hands about finances if He was... If he was down here and, and looking at this with me. And you see, when we start seeing things the way God sees them, and we start understanding that faith is the issue, what you believe, what and, and listen, what you listen to and what you look at has everything to do with what you believe. So if you're struggling in that area right now, check what you're listening to. Check what you're watching. Maybe time to go off Facebook for a little bit. Maybe time to turn the TV off, to turn the to turn the radio off. Listen, I've had to I've had to kind of cut back on that. I shared that with you last week. You know, I I got to where I was watching that, and and listen, I love watching President Trump's press conferences. I mean, I think it's entertainment myself. I mean, you know, and, I mean, but you know, but I got to where I had to say I had I had to put that off for a little bit. And I have to get away from that. Why? Because my mind was thinking on things that it shouldn't be thinking on. And I found myself even at times, even, even repeating what the media was saying. Oh yeah, well this thing's going to come back, you know, in the fall. Well you know what? We don't need to be an echo for the, for what the news media is saying. Remember, uh, listen, in worship this morning, that time of worship, I mean, man, I mean, what an incredible time. And, and we talked about the, the, how the atmosphere is just right for the prophetic word to go out. We need to be, be speaking what we want to see, not speaking what we see. And not being an echo to, what, to what's happening, but start speaking and start declaring, this is what will happen in my life. Amen. And you might say, well, Pastor, that, that, just, that just, you know, I don't know whether that will work or not. Read the Scriptures I just gave you. The fire had no power on them. Their hair wasn't singed, not even smoke attached. Now listen, you can, just, you can start a campfire and be outside for three minutes and go in the house and smell like you've been rolling around in the fire. 
that smoke will get on you in a hurry. Those guys walked out of that fiery furnace after walking and dancing and being around in there for who knows how long, and not even the smell of smoke was on them. The only thing that, the only thing that was affected in that fire was the, was the bonds that held them. The fire burnt the bonds off. Listen, I, I'll say this and I'm going to finish up. A lot of times, most of the time, our prayer is always, God deliver me from this thing. God, get me out of this situation. But you know what? With, with all of those stories I told you this morning, with, with Daniel and with, with the three Hebrew children, with Elijah, with Peter, you know, God didn't deliver them from them. He delivered them through them. They walked through those situations and God was with them. The fire wasn't the issue. The lions wasn't the issue. The drought wasn't the issue. The water wasn't the issue. God was with them. Isaiah tells us that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Well, what people, what people don't realize is this, that that scripture, in, in that scripture, I mean, it tells us that weapons will be formed. And shots will be taken. But guess what? It has no power over you as long as your eyes is on the right thing. Listen, what I, what I wanted you to get out of this today was just simply this. I want your faith to be strengthened in Him. Get your eyes on Jesus, the, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look away from everything that distracts. How many times did Jesus say, we, we read it time and time again, where Jesus said, do not worry, do not fear. They say that there's that, that phrase in some, some type or some meaning of that phrase, do not fear, is in the Bible like 366 times. One for every day plus one for a bad day you're having. One extra. Amen. You know, do not fear. Do not worry. Well, what am I going to do then, Pastor? Get my eyes on Jesus. Stay in the Word. Prepare my heart. Well, Pastor, I'm not really going through anything right now. Well, that's great. Prepare your heart for what's coming around the corner. Because guess what? Weapons will be formed. And He didn't tell us that we'd never go through a trial, but He said this. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So even when the trial comes, He'll be with you. And sometimes He don't want to deliver you from it. He wants to take you through it so that you can get the victory and so that so that the, the testimony will be that God took you through it and you defeated it. The testimony of David. God didn't just deliver David. He, he allowed David to kill that, that, that giant and it affected, the, it affected his life and the whole nation's life. Amen. So here, here's, here's, my, here's my encouragement to you this morning. Whatever the circumstance you're facing this morning, it's not the issue. Nothing can have power over you unless you give it power. If your eye is on Jesus, if your thoughts are on Him, and your, your mind and your heart is steadfast on Him, then He'll deliver you from every situation and every circumstance. Amen. There's nothing that, has, that, there's nothing that is more powerful than God. Not, not, I mean, not a sickness, not a disease, not a virus, not a bug, not a... Any, there's nothing that is more powerful than our God. So the question is, what's your issue? Amen. Is your circumstance the issue 
or is God your issue? Because if it's God, then you'll be able to stand up like those three boys right in the midst, right in the midst of the, the, the hottest battle you've ever been in, and you'll be able to say, whether I live or die, I'm with Jesus. And it doesn't matter. Because listen, what's the worst thing that can happen? Even if you do die, you go to heaven. And I don't know about you, but, but when I die, I want it to be said of me that he died believing. Down to his last breath. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's bow our heads just for a moment. I hope that encouraged you. I hope that gave you some things to think on and, and to, to meditate on this week. Father, I just pray this morning for every person that's here, every person that's watching online. Father, we pray that you would just... Uh, Father, my prayer is just that we would each one of us would realize... That the thing that we're facing, the thing that we're going through, the situation, all of us are going through different things and facing different battles and, and facing different obstacles that, that are in front of us. But Father, may we, each one of us, may we see that situation the way you see it. And the way you see it, Father, is that the fire was not even an issue. The fire could not harm those three Hebrew boys because you were in the midst with them. The lions could not hurt Daniel because you were right there petting, petting their heads. <laughs> Father, the, the water could not drown Peter because you were right there to lift him out. And Father, if we'll just keep our eyes on you, and Father, we know that your Scripture, your Word tells us that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So Father, our eyes are on you. And we will not fear, we will not worry, but Father, we'll keep our eyes and our heart fixed on You, the author and finisher of our faith. And we won't allow the distractions to get our focus off of You, but, but we'll keep it on You. And we thank You for that, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I...